shark, swallow you whole. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. Find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. You yell shark, we've got a pole on our hands on the 4th of July. Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the wreck hull of the boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. A what? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Now, I'm not saying that this is not the shark. It probably is, Martin. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different than the wounds on the victim. back into the Jaws Obsession, episode 5. And slowly but surely, we are one step closer to episode 20, which will be the great reveal of what we got going on here. Uh, Some exciting things in store for the Jaws world. So let's get on with this episode 5. Welcome to the Jaws Obsession. We're here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. It's going to be an important episode because we have a lot to unpack here. We have a lot to go over. So I'm going to get right into it. Serious unpacking of some information in order to get to the bottom of this mystery that we have going on. And it all started uh, the other week. I was I caught the documentary called Melius. Um, it's a 2013 documentary about John Melius, uh, one of the great um, filmmakers of the uh, 1970s, 80s, into the 90s, um, still putting out good work. It reminded me that he had a hand in Jaws. We're going to answer the questions here. Uh, what role did John Mealy's have with the Jaws script? And who actually wrote the infamous USS Indianapolis speech, which was performed by Robert Shaw? It's what everybody talks about when uh, they talk about Jaws. It was clearly one of the best scenes in the movie. There's a lot of controversy around who actually wrote that. It's one of those mysteries that still goes on because we, we're getting two conflicting stories. Okay. We have Steven Spielberg's side of what happened versus Carl Gottlieb, who is the screenwriter, uh, one of the screenwriters of Jaws, and his side of what happened. We're here with the Jaws obsession, and I have evidence right here in front of me, after a lot of pondering and digging, deep digging, that uh, both written and audio evidence that will hopefully bring some clarity into this mystery of who actually wrote and who had a hand in the USS Indianapolis speech in Jaws. And up until now, it's always it's conflicting interviews. We have different um, little scraps of this happened or this happened. There's some mythologies going on. We're here to kind of bring everybody together 
and let's just clear this right up. Let's give you a little background and history for those who don't know. Uh, with the USS Indianapolis speech, um, where Quint tells about his history in the sinking of the USS Indianapolis and his surviving of that, and it gives his background into why he is so uh, methodical and his hatred of sharks. It's a, it is a very, it's a, it's a great scene, great for characterization. So we have Peter Benchley, who wrote the book. We have Howard Sackler, who was a screenwriter that was brought in anonymously to kind of ghostwrite and work on the script that Benchley turned in to Universal. Then there was Carl Gottlieb, who was brought in by Spielberg into Martha's Vineyard. Not only did he act in the movie where he played the character of Meadows, the reporter, he was also side-by-side daily rewriting and writing and turning out dialogue for the screenplay. And then you have John Melius. He's a great friend of Spielberg. They both went to USC together. And John Melius, it's reported, had a hand in the in the writing of the USS Indianapolis speech. Then you have Robert Shaw, who had who was a notable author. He was also um, he he wrote stage plays. He wrote screenplays. Also had a hand in writing the speech, and then obviously performing the speech in front of the camera. So, the controversy is between um, interviews that Carl Gottlieb, the screenwriter, the uh, the one that would be accredited as the screenwriter along, if you look at the Jaws screenplay, the shooting script, it will say by Carl Gottlieb and Peter Benchley. Those are the two names that are given as a co-screenwriters for the movie. He has an interview that has recently come out where he has kind of doubled down on um, statements that he made in his 25th anniversary uh, edition of the Jaws log that had the notes of the making of Jaws, and that was released way back in the 70s. And it is still very popular today. It's one of the most popular books that you can get about making of a movie because you learn so much about the goings-on behind the scenes of what happens and all the chaos that happened with the making of Jaws. So he's given an interview, and and Spielberg, I just got around to watching the documentary called Melius, and in it, Spielberg pretty much gives a rock-solid, this is what happened, this is how the Indianapolis speech and Jaws came about. And we're going to listen to that right now. We're going to listen to both sides of the story, and then we're going to unpack everything. We're going to get involved, and we're actually going to find out exactly who had a hand in creating this Indianapolis speech, which pretty much defines the character of Quint. Okay, so if we, in the Jaws obsession, if we're going to go forward and we're actually going to um, try to figure out the mysteries of Quint and other characters in Jaws, and we want to actually find out... We're going to need to find out who created them and and all the, the the history behind the creation of the character, and that will get us to be a, have a better understanding of the character of Quint, but also more appreciation for the movie Jaws when you watch the movie. So with that, let's get right into it, and let's start with... We're going to start with this latest interview of with Carl Gottlieb regarding the writing of the Indianapolis speech. So let's get into the first clip here. Howard Sackler, the uncredited writer who adapted the Benchley novel and the Benchley screenplay. Uh, Sackler found, Sackler was a Navy guy and he knew about the Indianapolis so he found that and put that in because it was badly needed to explain Quint's character. I mean he's, he's monomaniacal but in book you have no reason why. Sackler found a reason, put him, put him on the Indianapolis. Um, it was always like a two-page single-spaced block of dialogue. And every actor who looked at it, you know, kind of blanched. 
and directors and producers looked at it and blanched because it's like you know, it's a model, it's an aria. Okay, so um, what we have to keep in mind there is um, Carl, Mr. Gottlieb states, it was always a two-page block of dialogue. Okay, that's a very important. I want everybody to keep that in mind as we move along. But keep that in mind. The quote: "It was always a two-page block of dialogue." Let's go to clip two. And Stephen was nervous about it. I don't blame him. And he asked all his writer friends to take a pass. Not just, not only John Milius, but Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale and Paul Schrader. Uh, they all had ideas. Uh, Milius uh, contributed a great line. I'll find him for five. I'll, kill, I'll kill, catch him for ten. And somehow the mythology was that Milius wrote that speech. But there was like ten versions of that speech, including my own. We gave them to Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw is a published novelist, five novels, a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, man in the glass booth. Robert Shaw knows his way around a typewriter. So he took it all, synthesized it, and one night at dinner, as we were approaching the shooting of that scene, he came to dinner with a handful of paper and said, I think I've got that pesky speech licked. And he basically performed it for the table. And we all went, whoa. And Stephen said, that's what we're shooting. So in that clip, we, uh, we hear Carl Gottlieb's take that John Melius uh, contributed the line, I'll find him for three and I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Um, if you go back to Carl Gottlieb's um, The Jaws Log, the 25th anniversary edition, he actually has a, a, a note in the back of the book that's added, so it's a revised in the end notes. He actually includes, on page 207, he includes a very detailed, he goes into detail with this Indianapolis speech. Because clearly, people thinking that Melius wrote the speech is bothered Mr. Gottlieb. So uh, he, further, he further goes into detail. He says from the book, page 207, The Indianapolis speech made everyone nervous. It was two and a half pages long, an immense chunk of dialogue, and absolutely essential to understanding Quint's character, an obsession with sharks. Sackler worked on it. I worked on it. Stephen worked on it. Stephen called friends to make suggestions and write their own versions. Among the people he called was John Melius who is often listed as having written the whole speech. Melius never denies it, and in documentaries made 20 years later, Stephen takes his side. As far as I'm concerned, the author of the, US, of the USS Indianapolis speech was Robert Shaw, a gifted writer as well as an actor. Um, so this, that quote right there is pretty much jives with everything that we just heard in this clip number two from this latest uh, interview with Carl Gottlieb. Let's see here. Uh, he continue, uh, So he continues on. In 1975, in anticipation of a Writers Guild, credits ar Writers Guild credits arbitration, I kept detailed notes and dated copies of all script materials for the entire time I was working on Jaws. I can recall the phone calls from Martha's Vineyard to California, and I had in my possession my handwritten transcriptions of the suggestions John made to Stephen, he's talking about John Melius, made to Stephen while I listened on an extension for screenwriting trivia buffs the complete John Milius contribution to Jaws is the, is the line, 
I'll find him for five, I'll kill him for 10. Well, the real line is, I'll find him for three and I'll catch him for 10. And then Robert Shaw performs it, I'll find him for three and I'll catch him and kill him for 10. Spoke my Robert Shaw to the town in the town meeting shortly after Quint's first entrance. I willingly concede that the idea of a scene in which men compare scars as a macho ritual may have originated with Melius. His personal identification with manly behavior is well known and irrefutable by me. So he's conceding that Melius's line, I'll find him for three and I'll catch him and kill him for ten, was Melius was in the movie, was in the movie that was Melius's contribution to the script. Keep that in note. Keep that in mind because that's going to come up later on as part of our evidence to draw a conclusion to this. So let's continue on with the third and final clip of Carl Gottlieb's interview. Uh, now, I because this has been a recurring rumor, uh, I went back and looked at the production logs and the line script, and the day that that speech was shot, Milius, uh, there was an article in Screenwriter Magazine about great scenes written at the last moment, and it was how Milius dictated the speech over the phone. I was on the phone with Milius, not that morning, but a few days earlier when we were assembling versions, and I kept very careful notes because I was anticipating an arbitration on that script. And there's nothing that Milius wrote, and on top of that, the phone dictation thing, because of the time zone, Milius would have, to be, would have had to be awake at 5 in the morning dictating lines to actors at 8 in the morning who were setting up and rehearsing to shoot, get the first shot of the day, which was at 9.30, which would have been 6.30 a.m. in L.A. So I highly doubt that the speech was written then. And I know that Shaw read us a version, the screen version, had, he had read that to us days earlier. Mm. So ultimately, who do you believe? the guy who wasn't there who claims to have written it, or the guy who was there and says he didn't, says I didn't. I mean, I, was, I could have easily said it was my speech. It's not my speech. Robert Shaw did that speech, as you see it. And unfortunately, because John and Stephen are close friends, uh, Stephen has always supported Melius's version, which is, in my estimation, false. Okay, so we have... Um the wrapping up there is Carl Gottlieb stating that John Mealy's had nothing to do with the speech, that the phone call in the day of, while they were waiting, they were setting up the scene, um, the, the mythology is is that uh, John Mealy's and Steven Spielberg were on a call that day before shooting the scene, and that Mealy's wrote, wrote the script, basically dictated what uh, the dialogue was. And they wrote it down, and then... Uh, Robert Shaw performed it. Okay, well, that's that, that. Obviously, is a is a crazy mythology, as we all know. When what you tell one story and it goes to another person, another person, and it just blows up. So, uh, what to take take away from that clip three though is well, number one, he's anticipating arbitration on the script. Arbitration is when someone actually goes to this uh, the the Writers Guild and says, "Hey, I believe I should have a credit on this movie because I hand a hand, I had a hand in writing the dialogue." And these were my contributions. And the other writer says, well, these were my contributions. And then it goes to an arbiter, and the arbiter decides who gets the credit. So clearly he was, Mr. Gottlieb was anticipating arbitration, as he states in his book, The Jaws Log, and in this clip. So he kept detailed notes. So we cannot refute 
his memory about all this because he had detailed notes at that time that he's talking about, which is onset of Jaws. But what we also have to look at here is Mr. Gottlieb believes um, the phone call with Stephen and John Mulius was the only time they spoke about Jaws and the Indianapolis screenplay. And that was what I was thinking about when I'm watching the documentary called Melius. And we're going to get right into that right now. I'd like to play a scene from that where they actually talk about this. But you're going to now hear, when you hear the gruff voice, that's going to be John Melius, who's friends with Spielberg, and he's going to be describing how he was always hanging out with Steven. And then you're going to hear Steven Spielberg talk about John Melius's contribution to the U.S. Indianapolis speech. So what we're keeping in mind from the Carl Gottlieb interview, we're keeping in mind of the quote, it was always two, a two-page block of dialogue. It was always a two-page block of dialogue. We're also keeping in mind that, um, that he's trying to refute that the phone call of that day was not when the script was written. Okay. Let's move on. We're going to hear now, we're going to play uh, the scene from Melius where Steven Spielberg talks about John Mulius's contribution to the U.S. Indianapolis speech. Here we go. Around all the time, you know, and, and so Steven was always over at my house or something, and we were always thinking of ideas and stuff. And Spielberg would call him up every once in a while and say, hey, I need an idea for this. And so John was the idea man. Well, John had come down to the Shark Shack with me several times, the shark shack was out in the San Fernando Valley and it's where we were building the mechanical shark. John really enjoyed it because he liked to kind of like stick his whole body into the maw of the shark. You have to imagine John, who always had some girth, um, uh, uh, you know, thrust into the shark and all you saw was, was his rear end and his legs. And you would suddenly hear John yelling, Jaws! And it would echo throughout the belly of the, of the polyurethane mechanical steel shark. But because of that, you know, John was interested. I gave John the script to read, and John read the script and thought it was a good script. Uh, I gave him some books, you know, that were really terrifying books about tiger hunting, and he, he employed a lot of those ideas in Jaws. Stephen had a great respect and admiration for, for John's ability with dialogue. And I said, John, I got this scene, you know, about the USS Indianapolis. It's only two paragraphs long, but I think this is a, this, this could be an epiphany for all the other guys on the boat, the, the Richard Dreyfuss character, the Roy Schreider character, and the Robert Shaw character, to be able to share this kind of catharsis about what happened in 1945. Uh, but it's too short, and Howard's not doing any more writing on the movie, and will you take a crack at this? And he said, sure. Wrote it over the phone. I got 10-page monologue back from John, a 10-page monologue, which basically was very close to what's in the movie. Robert Shaw read all 10 pages, and he loved every word, but Robert said, I can't say all this. It's too much to memorize. It, it was a very compelling speech, but it was a movie by itself. It was a movie within a movie. So Robert Shaw sat down, and Robert cut the speech in half, and he did all the editing himself. He brought it down to five pages. Okay, so that's, that's Spielberg. He's pretty definitive right there about what actually happened. You just heard it right there from Spielberg. So what do we take away from there? We take away that... The quote, John would always come down to the Shark Shack with me several times. So it's indicating there was more than one conversation between John Melius and Steven Spielberg. He also says, uh, 
let's see, uh, st- let's see. St- we also know from this interview that Stephen gave John the script. John uh, John Melius also says he gave Stephen books, historical books. Okay, this is going to be. Uh, let's see. John Melius was a very well read. He he studied history because he really devoured it, and that showed in all his screenplays in all his works. And we're going to get into that later on. So we have to keep that in note. But we have to keep in that the quote, John would always come down to the Shark Shack with me with several times. Okay. And also what we have to remember here is he says, the scene with the Indianapolis was only two paragraphs long. Okay. So by the time he gives John the script, the scene with the Indianapolis was only two paragraphs long. So right there is Spielberg establishes that the Melius effect takes place between Sackler's contribution, Howard Sackler, so Peter Benchley, who Peter Benchley admitted he had he had no hand in it. That Indianapolis speech has, does not show up in the novel Jaws, and it was not in Spielberg in, in P- Peter Benchley's final draft that he ter- turned into Universal. Howard Sackler was a Navy guy, and yes, Howard Sackler came up with the idea of the U.S. Indianapolis, so he put the two-paragraph Indianapolis speech into the script basically said here this is my take on Jaws and then he left the project so Spielberg is holding this and he goes right to good old college buddy John Melius what we're establishing here is that the two paragraphs became 10 pages handwritten which would then be 2.5 pages two and a half pages typed in the script before Carl Gottlieb gets it Spielberg, we're going to hear Spielberg close up in this movie in the documentary Melius. This is pretty definitive. Let's listen up. But it's Melius's words and it's Shaw's editing that wound up in the final film. So he says it is Melius's words and Shaw's editing. Okay, so clearly Spielberg knows that John Melius brought the words. He brought the thunder and then Robert Shaw brought the stage presence and the editing to be able to present this this gigantic brick of dialogue in a way that could play for the audience, okay? So, now that we have all that out, we're now, we've listened to the interviews, we've listened to Carl Gottlieb's side, we listened to Steven Spielberg's side. Now we're gonna go into some evidence here, okay? And we are going to try to establish who is, we're going to try to clear up this controversy here. Okay. So if you go over to our website at jawsob.com, on the contacts page, you can find a link to our Telegram or Discord channels. And over there, we'll have our show notes posted for episode five, of which you'll be able to watch the interviews and uh, everything that you just heard. But what we're also going to have is we're going to have the, um, the, the links for the two screenplays. So what I have in front of me right here is the screenplay where Steven Spielberg says that the after Howard Sackler got done with it, it was a two-paragraph Indianapolis speech. So we know that what I have in my hand on my, on my left side is what Peter Benchley and Howard Sackler generated and what Spielberg had. And then what I have on my right is what Carl Gottlieb would have received or would have worked on, and this is what has Carl Gottlieb's work into it, which is the Jaws by Carl Gottlieb and Peter Benchley from the novel by Peter Benchley. 
and this is uh, closer to the shooting script. As we all know, there was, there was never a final shooting script before production started. The script was always changing. So uh, we're going to have links to both of these scripts where you actually can go online and read the differences. But it's going to establish right here that there was a two-paragraph Indianapolis speech, and then it became a two-and-a-half-page um, Indianapolis speech. But remember that the key detail that Mr. Gottlieb says was it was always two-page block of dialogue. Um, that's because by the time Mr. Gottlieb, Mr. Gottlieb would have received this, it would have already had John Melius's dialogue already in it. And we're going to prove that right now. Because in Carl Gottlieb's own book, The Jaws Log, on page 56, and I'm working out of the um, I'm working out of the 25th anniversary edition that was released back in 2001. So on page 56 of there, he writes, In March, Stephen sent me the Jaws script and asked me about what part I thought I could play. So that shows that Mr. Gottlieb says that he received the Jaws script in March of 1974. Then if we go back to page 44, it says, um, In the winter of 73 and 74, Jaws was swimming right along. The shark looked okay. And while Zanuck and Brown toured the country to promote the opening of one of their other films, the welders and artisans began construction of Universal's own Great White Shark. So he, saw, he writes about how they started to build the shark in the winter of 73 and 74. That's exactly when Howard Sackler was brought in to do a rewrite. As we heard Steven Spielberg say in his own words, pull those back out here, in his own words, he said, John would always come down to the shark shack with me several times. So that means John Melius was hanging out with Spielberg on the set of Jaws in the winter of 73 and 74 because he's climbing inside the shark, yelling Jaws, making Spielberg laugh, and they're talk, and he gives him the screenplay to Jaws in the winter of 73 and 74. This is before March of 74 when Mr. Gottlieb writes that he received the script from Steven Spielberg. So that's why Mr. Gottlieb believes it was always a two-page brick of dialogue. Yes, because he got it in March of 1974. It was a two-paragraph scene that Howard Sackler gave to Steven Spielberg before the Melius effect came into play. And that is evidence right here with what we have what we have right here and in Mr. Gottlieb's own writing in the Jaws log. So what we have here is we have a timeline that we have constructed where we have access to the two versions of the screenplay. The Peter Benchley, Howard Sackler, and then we have when with the two-page brick of dialogue that John Melius would have added in with Spielberg. Now, this could have been over the phone with Spielberg. There was probably way more than one phone conversation because Spielberg and John hang out a lot. But Stephen is adamant about this, and this is where I think Mr. Gottlieb, with all due respect, 
is not understanding that, yes, it is a mythology to think that it was written in the last minute, in one day, in one phone call, the day before shooting. That phone call that he was on that he talks about is actually not the only time that Spielberg spoke to John Melius about it. And that is evidence in this interview now inside uh, from the documentary Melius, which we just played for you. So we're getting closer to a conclusion, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So we're, we're getting closer to the conclusion here. And I always said, when you have, when you have a case, and this, this comes up in Hollywood a lot. It's not just Hollywood. It just, this comes up in every career where you have, um, he said, he said. So someone's claiming work and someone's claiming the work. So what you have to do is you got to stand back, you got to pull back, get up to a bird's eye view, and you got to look at the bodies of work, all right? You got to ask the question, what, had, what have they done up to that point and what have they done since? Peter Benchley, we have Howard Sackler, Carl Gottlieb, uh, John Melius, and Robert Shaw. We can take Peter Benchley out of there because we know that he did not come up with it. He's already admitted that, and it was never in the novel. We know that Howard Sackler was a Navy guy, so he put that in. So Howard Sackler came up with the two-paragraph version that we have right here. I'm not going to read it to you. You can go on our Jaws notes and read it, but it is clearly not what uh, ends up in the film. If you look at what Howard Sackler did uh, with his career, uh, he wrote, let's see here, he wrote uh, 1953... Fear and Desire, Killer's Kiss, Midsummer's Night Dream, uh, The Great White Hope play screen screenplay in 1970, Grey Lady Down in 1978. So between 1970 and 1978, he did other writing projects but was not credited for them. So he was a Jaws script consultant around 1975. Okay, was this was more 1974, um, but his credit shows 1975 on the Internet Movie Database. And then he goes on to write Jaws 2, where he, he does the first draft of Jaws 2. Um, and then St. Jack, and then he passes away in 1982 at the age of 52. So Howard Sackler's uh, body of work is kind of limited in scope. So he would, it, it, and plus if you look at Jaws 2, we don't, we don't really have any of those, these, this big mega sweeping speeches um, that would that so this leads me to believe that this little two-page paragraph, this two this two-paragraph Indianapolis speech that is described by Steven Spielberg is Howard Sackler's contribution to the Indianapolis speech and to the the character of Quint. Now we go to uh, Carl Gottlieb. Carl Gottlieb would go on to uh, write the screenplays uh, Jaws Two. The Jerk, Caveman, Dr. Detroit, Jaws 3D. So he would go on and he was more um, a dialogue. He, he has more a lighter dialogue. But if you see the, the screenplays of Jaws 2 and Jaws 3 just don't have the weight of Jaws 1. Okay, And clearly doesn't have, they, they don't have anything that indicates a long speech uh, of epic proportions, like the Indianapolis speech, even though Carl Gottlieb was called in to actually rewrite Howard Sackler's script for Jaws 2, so it was almost carbon copy of what happened here, only minus the John Melius effect, okay? So we all know what Jaws 2 was, so we don't even have to go into that, but I'm just showing you 
what they did afterwards. Let's look at Robert Shaw. Okay. Robert Shaw. Okay. So Robert Shaw only has eight writing credits. Um, he was very, he was an accomplished novelist, writer, and he wrote stage plays. But when it came to screenplays and teleplays, he, it was limited. He, he really, a lot of his work was in the 60s. And by the 70s, he really was only looking at doing the play that he wrote, uh, The Man in the Glass Booth was really the only work that he was working on. There was no active screen. There wasn't any active screenwriting going on uh, at his career at that time. Interestingly, the movie Figures in a Landscape in 1970, Robert Shaw actually took that screenplay and rewrote it on the fly, writing, writing his, rewriting his lines and the lines of other characters. And he actually took, he actually went into arbitration and he won his case, so he got a screenplay credit for Figures in a Landscape in 1970. And he's the one that went into arbitration to try to get his credit because he contributed to that screenplay. So, number one, it shows that Robert Shaw was an extreme genius in that he could do very well when given a material, and then he could actually make it to be more presentable to a, an audience, and the director would go for it. It also showed that Robert Shaw was not shy about going into arbitration for a writing credit. And if he believed that he felt, if he believed and he felt that he contributed, he would not have uh, held back going in and saying, hey, I want my writing credit. He did not do that with Jaws. So we have to look at the evidence at hand that Robert Shaw clearly took what was given to him and he reworked it and rewrote it and performed it just like what Carl Gottlieb is, is saying. But what he was given was definitely, according to Spielberg, the words of John Milius. But it's Milius's words and it's Shaw's editing that wound up in the final film. The last person standing now, after we've looked at Howard Sackler, Carl Gottlieb, Robert Shaw, now let's go to John Melius. And that, that's what we're going to look. Let's look at the career arc of John Melius. John Melius was the screenwriter of Dirty Harry, Jeremiah Johnson, Magnum Force. I mean, I, there's a lot of other things. I'm just skipping around. The Wind and the Lion. He would go on to write Apocalypse Now. Write and direct Conan the Barbarian, uh, Red Dawn, uh, scenes for uh, Miami uh, episodes of Miami Vice. There's so much. I, there's a huge list here. He was also, uh, let's see, a, a script editor for Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Hunt for Red October, Behind Enemy Lines. So we look at the work of John Melius here. We have a, a host of evidence of movies where there are long, drawn-out speeches by important characters discussing their background or their, um, their pondering of life as they know it. You have, uh, in, in Apocalypse Now, you have the uh, Kurtz speech, I've seen horrors, horrors that you've seen, but you have no right to call me a murderer. You have a right to kill me. You have a right to do that. 
but you have no right to judge me. It's impossible for words to describe what is necessary to those who do not know what horror means. And that whole speech, thats a, I mean, you get goosebumps when you watch that. That's all John Milius. Dirty Harry, 1971. Uh-uh, I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or five? Well, to tell you the truth, in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is the 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and could blow your head clean off, you got to ask yourself, do you feel lucky? Well, do you punk? That's John Milius, okay? Um, you go back to Apocalypse Now. The, um, you know, you smell that? You smell that? That's napalm, son. Nothing else in the world smells like that. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Conan the Barbarian, 1984, James Earl Jones, with a great little mini speech to Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, where he's talking about the riddle of steel. And he says, uh, that's strength, boy. That is power. What is the steel? What is steel compared to the hand that wields it? Look at the strength in your body, the desire in your heart. I gave you this. Uh, the Wind and the Lion, 1975. Theodore Roosevelt says, the American grizzly is a symbol of the American character, strength, intelligence, ferocity, maybe a little blind and reckless at times, but courageous beyond all doubt. And, and one other trait that goes with all that goes with all previous. And what's that, Mr. President? Loneliness. The American grizzly lives out his life alone, indomitable, unconquered, but always alone. He has no real allies, only enemies, but none of them as great as he. And he goes on. There's a big, long speech where he goes on to describe um, and to, to uh, describe America as the American grizzly bear. I want to bring up his work on Hunt for Red October. Um, if you watch the documentary Emilius, the producer was, uh, Sean Connery was going to turn down Hunt for Red October. And he said, there's no, he goes, there really aren't any long speeches for me in this movie, in the script. And the producer said, hold on. And he went and he said, hey, John, can you write some speeches for this movie? I got Sean Connery on the line. And John Mealy says, sure, I can do that. So he told Sean Connery, I got John Mealy's working on it. And Sean Connery said, you got it, I'll be in the movie. And look what happens. If you look at the two differences in the scripts there, if you look at the shooting script and you look at the actual transcript from the movie, John, John Melius wrote some of these well, magnificent speeches for Sean Connery. You know, the, um, uh, for 40 years, your fathers and your brothers played the game and played it well, but today the game is different. We have the advantage. It reminds me of the days of Sputnik and Gargarin when the world trembled with the sound of our rockets. They will tremble again at our silence. He said um, this one scene in where Captain Ramius, played by Sean Connery, I miss the peace of fishing like when I was a boy. Forty years I've been at sea, a war at sea, a war with no battles, no monuments, only casualties. I widowed her the day I married her. My wife died while I was at sea, you know. So those are little things that show, first of all, that line comes from uh, Melville and Moby Dick because that's just what Ahab says about how Ahab was always obsessed with finding the white whale and that his uh, wife has never seen him much more than a few weeks before he shoves off and goes around, sails around the world again for another couple years. So he says, I made her a widow when I married her. So that shows you that John Milius is very well read, classically, classically read. And he, and he really, when he wrote, he, he wrote very, very well. Of course, we, we could go into, I could just sit here and you could talk forever about John Milius. But, but what we're looking at here is the evidence at hand shows that 
we're going to have to side with Spielberg. And Spielberg's recollection is that the words are from John Milius and the editing and performance is by Robert Shaw. And the body of work by all the people involved show that this is pretty much exactly what happened. And Mr. Gottlieb maybe just does not um, recall that Spielberg and Milius had talked about Jaws many times before Carl even got his screenplay. So when he says that it was always two pages, no, it was not. It was not always two pages. It was only two paragraphs, according to Spielberg, and it became two pages, two and a half pages, after the 10 pages of handwritten notes that John Melius was able to give him and make the Indianapolis scene into what it is and what we saw. One other little side note here is when John Melius says in the documentary that I passed books to Stephen, one of the books I believe that John used, Mr. Melius would have used, would have been the book at the time that was written in 1958 was called Abandoned Ship, the Saga of the USS Indianapolis, the Navy's Great Sea Disaster. It was made in 19, it was written in 1958, published. And this is one of the books I personally believe that John Mulius would have used as the basis to, um, for all the facts. If you look at how the speech evolved from the two paragraphs to the two pages, there was a lot of military details put in that were not from Howard Sackler, uh, two paragraph speech. The two page speech then had the, um, the Lockheed Ventura bomber, uh, the big the PBY that came to pick us up, it took a whole new it took a whole new meaning because there was a lot of real elements that were brought in. And my my assumption is is that the role the character of Herbie Robinson, a baseball player, Bozen's mate, that little part, that definitely has a John Melius flair to it. And he took that from this book, Abandoned Ship. Um, the reason why I'm saying this is that Abandoned Ship was written in 1958, actually has the, the, the number that they say the crew that survived is 316. That was later corrected in historical documents, and the, it is in, it's understood now that it's 317 survived. So the number is 316 in the movie when Quint says 316 came out. That was from this book, Abandoned Ship, that mis that had the wrong number of survivors. It wasn't 316, it was 317. So that's what leads me to believe that this was one of the books, because of that 316 number, and it's only used in this abandoned ship from uh, the saga of the USS Indianapolis, the Navy's Great Sea Disaster from 1958, that was one of the books that John Melius had and passed off to Steven Spielberg or either had and referenced when he gave the notes for the speech. Okay, so the character of Quint was a product of five great minds that came together. That's how amazing that role is. Um, that's how amazing the... That's why Jaws is... What we try to uh, convince people here is Jaws would be the greatest movie of all time because the the amount of work that went into the characters and the, dia and the dialogue, and there's so many people had input and their fingerprints are left on this that what you have is what many times that is a formula for a disaster, but it worked.
And what you have here is you have Peter Benchley came up with the name and the character. You have Howard Sackler, Navy experience, brought in the little tidbit of USS Indianapolis Survivor. John Melius came in and came in with a historical epic speech that is similar to all his works that he did and might have actually been a precursor to him getting the confidence at going at and making Apocalypse Now, writing the screenplay to Apocalypse Now, because there was many attempts at that. And he might have just gotten the inspiration of saying, wow, I nailed it with that one, with the USS Indianapolis speech. Let me go right in and tackle this really difficult book and make a, and write Apocalypse Now. Then you had Carl Gottlieb came up with all the little banter that and all the little banter that led up to that moment. And then you have Robert Shaw using his stage awareness, his gravitas, and his screen presentation. And he's able to take all that information that was given to him. And he admits to Spielberg, I can't memorize all this. This is a lot of weight. And he takes it home while he's on set. And he comes back the next day and he says, I think I got that pesky speech licked according to Mr. Gottlieb. And he performs it, and that's actually what lands right in the movie. And that's what we're the scene we all known and grown up with. And I just think that is amazing how this all developed. And I hope that this episode has cleared a lot of this air up because going forward, we're all going to have to be on the same page uh, coming up very shortly because we're going to do something very great and very big in the Jaws world. And they're already singing. This was a long one. This felt like a Columbo episode. We're putting clues together. We're solving mysteries. We got evidence. We have evidence here. We have, we're drawing conclusions. This is great. <laughs> the movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any reference and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. Copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the Fair Use Guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act. All rights reserved to the copyright owners. So, everybody, please remember to go to JawsOB.com. Visit our Telegram and Discord channels. And go to our social media, uh, whatever, YouTube. We're on YouTube now. And uh, wherever you're hearing this, subscribe, like the podcast, broadcast. And let people know what you're listening to because they don't want to miss episode 20. Episode 20 is going to be uh, a game changer. So please get those questions and ideas for possible future episodes in to jawsob2025 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this show this week. Farewell and adieu, and show me the way to go home, please. <laughs>